welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. Excited to be back for another episode. This is episode 103, and uh, I'm trying to get two episodes out a month. Man, I'm having a hard time. I missed I miss uh, miss May by one day. So here we are, uh, June 1st, at the point of recording these bumpers, and we got another episode coming out. But um, we're trying to plug along there. Uh, let's get into some announcements real quick, and that before we get into our discussion, I do want to make an announcement that uh, on the Pastured Pig website, we now have a classified ad section. It's a place where you can go unmolested by Facebook and post ads of anything that you have for sale as far as pigs go. So we can do boars, we can do sows, piglets, blah, blah, blah. All that opportunity is there. Uh, we've kind of been in a beta testing right now. I've already got 16 listings, and, um, and you can sort them by state, you can sort them by category. And so uh, it, it's, it's, it's working so far. We're, we're testing it. And just seeing how it goes and seeing if um, need increases or, or desire increases for us to make it even broader. So check that out. Just simply go to thepasturedpig.com. You'll see a classified button on the top menu. Uh, there you can sort the ads. And down at the bottom, if you want to place your own ad, just click that button. It's totally free. No cost there. And what I recommend is use some photos. I think photos are really going to help people take a look at what you've got to sell. Uh, I've set it up that you can upload as many as 10 photos, and uh, I, would, I would strongly recommend that. I think the visual of that is going to be very helpful. Well, this, uh, this service, this feature on the website, of course, is made available because of the Patreon supporters. So that is why we're able to add this, um, this feature because of the support coming from that. So if you're using our features of any type and, and you're not a supporter, I... I I please suggest that you maybe support, even if it's for a couple months. Uh, we could definitely use that, and it, it just helps us continue to upgrade and add additional features. Uh, as a Patreon supporter, of course, you'll be able to take advantage of some of the stuff that exists behind the Patreon wall, additional episodes, conversations, those type of things. And here lately, we've been doing live chats that I think, I think quite frankly, are better than the standalone episodes that I do. Uh, simply because you're hearing more than one voice. Uh, this last episode, uh, or this last live chat, we talked about the issues with the upcoming June 23rd prohibition on antibiotics and how you're going to have to have a, uh, a veterinarian's prescription to get that. So the over-the-counter options are going away. So there was some great input by multiple farmers across the country on how they're going to handle that and and how, how that's going to affect their operation. So those are the type of discussions we're getting into, kind of drilling down deeper into topics pertaining to uh, running our pastured pig operations. So check that out. Uh, as little as $5 a month, of course, you can be a Patreon supporter. Uh, along the lines of the live chats, we normally do those around 8 p.m. on weeknights, uh, simply to try to accommodate our West Coast friends. So uh, if that works for you, let me know. If it doesn't, let me know that as well, and maybe we'll try to do a different time on a different day if uh, that would allow some other people to be involved. Well, if you've noticed, maybe the sound quality of this bumper is a little different. 
Uh, it's because I'm sitting out here on the front porch now, enjoying a, I would say a cooler evening. It's been warm, but a little cooler evening. Um, the pollen has gotten to me a bit, so if you hear me hack and cough, that may be uh, the reason why. Uh, but but it's just funny. I'm, I'm sitting here on the front porch looking down into the pasture that my red wattles are on right now, and they are... Um, they are are having a blast, literally, in a uh, section of multiflora rose that's on the pasture edge. It's the edge of the the pasture and the woodlot. So it, uh, it's got a lot of multiflora rose, uh, poison ivy, grapevine, all that type of stuff, all that, uh, that forest edge stuff that grows up. And I've been dumping their uh, soaked feed into that spot all the way down the line. <clears throat> and they've just been doing a great job of clearing that up. So as they get in and Super motivated by the feed. They're uprooting the multiflora, eating all the poison ivy, uprooting the grapevine. It's really doing a great job clearing the pasture edge. If I could get them just to go right up an inch away from the electric fence, that'd be great. <laughs> but they're leaving about a 15-inch buffer there because they know what happens. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to be able to sit here on the porch uh, utilizing technology here to enjoy the evening and watch the animals. Um, so along the lines of, of pasture and setup, I do want to discuss, uh, um, I, we're kind of offering a new service. I've kind of fallen into this, and it's, it's growing some legs and taking off, so I thought, well, maybe it'd be worth mentioning on the Pastured Pig podcast. But Kelly and I are offering a on-property consult service, and it, it, it's not that I'm saying that we're any experts in anything. We're just simply using our 23 years of, of managing and building this land here um, that we've had for the uh, you know, this 100 acres that we've had for the last 23 years, taking that experience and uh, people that are, are acquiring either new land or looking to expand their operations or revitalize some land that they have and they want, they want just an outside voice or, or a, new, a fresh set of eyes to, um, to figure out, hey, how do I set this up for a homestead, for pigs, for chickens, for gardens and permaculture principles, all those type of things. So we're offering that service. We are traveling uh, we did one in Kentucky earlier this year. We've got a couple more coming up. Um, so we've got that opportunity there. Um, if you're interested in having us come uh, spend the day or two with you to, to look at your setup and to do a walkthrough, what we do is after, the, after we do the property tour and the visit, then come home and write a, um, a lengthy and detailed assessment where we make suggestions, uh, present ideas, um, even point out some concerns that we may have with uh, the plan. But if you're interested in that, just reach out to me, Troy at RedToolHouse.com. Okay, so let's get on. So today, we are talking with Chris Enos from Enos Family Farm in Vinton, Iowa. And I think the best way to si- uh, sum up Chris's interview, because uh, I don't want to give anything away that he's saying, is they're on just five acres in eastern Iowa, uh, and they're a fair to finish. But red wattles are playing a central role in their five-acre farm. And they're polyculture. They're not just pigs. And they're using this, um, this five acres as a farm business. So um, I'm going to let Chris tell the rest of it. And then I'm going to give you a little update because Chris reached out to me before this aired. Actually, reached out to me last week uh, before this aired to give me a little update. So I'll share that update um, in, post, uh, in the post bumper. Welcome, Chris. Hello. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast. Uh, those of you guys listening won't know, but poor Chris, I've run him ragged. We uh, This is our 
our uh, second time trying to schedule, but it just worked out because I keep giving him wrong dates and wrong time zones. So, um, so I appreciate you being patient with me, Chris, and us getting that lined out. <laughs> Not a problem. All right. So tell me about, um, let's start with, um, well, let's start with Iowa. I mean, you're in, you're in the heart of pig country there, right? We are commercial pig is it's one of the top, if not the top of the nation here. Yeah. Yeah. I once heard uh, somebody say there were more, more pigs in Iowa than our people uh, by a certain degree or something like that. Yeah. There's probably more pigs in our County than in the, in the, than people in the state. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Even broader than expected. Yeah. So, um, so tell me about your farm. Um, give me kind of the overview of, of what you've got there as far as your setup goes and layout of the farm. So this is the second farm that I've owned and had pigs on. We bought the farm um, about a year and a half ago. I'm, I'm an auctioneer as well. Hmm. And I was asked to auction off all the contents on this farm. And we had the sale and I spoke with the, uh, the family and we made an offer on the house. It fell through Then it, it, it came back up. And so a little over a year ago, we bought the farm. Um, we took 11 months to renovate the house. We did almost a complete renovation with an add-on. Um, but in the meantime, we decided we would start acquiring animals again. Hmm. So um, we got chickens and we got some goats and we got some ducks and some guineas and pigs and oh, there's a few other things added in here and there that have came and went. But, uh, Pigs are, are, are my primary focus for animals, okay. but there will be additional things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I want to back up a little bit there. You said something that intrigues me. So uh, you, you bought the farm and you were introduced to it simply because you were hired as the auctioneer to come in and, and run the auction on it, I assume, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't sell the property. I just sold the contents. The contents. Okay. Okay. So that allowed you to see that. So uh, is, is that your is that your full time job? Or your professional job as an auctioneer? Um, no, um, it's more of a side gig. Um, okay. Right now, I'm I'm self employed. Um, I do handyman stuff, and then we, oh. my wife and I, own a bait shop, and she does. We do additional things. We have a large retail building where we have vendors that sell various things yeah. but she also makes like custom shirts and uh gifts and stuff like that cool. along with our bait shop so with being a an in, uh, with being an auctioneer we, we should be able to do this podcast in like 10 minutes shouldn't we <laughs> It, 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 we should, yeah. <laughs> All right, rattle, get. <laughs> rattle off that real quick. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, do you ever do that at home? Like, you come home, talk to the wife about what's going on. Do you do you go through that real quick sometimes? Uh, no, I think that would not go over very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do. I do on occasion. Yeah. We'll just spout off into auction chant, yeah. but. Yeah, we, we try to separate our conversations to be much more serious. Very good. Very good. Well, I know this is a pig podcast, but I do have to ask you one more question about it. So so how do you get how do you train yourself on that? I mean, is that do you go to an auctioneer school? Is there is there a audio tapes you listen to? How do you, how do you get to that uh, that cadence? So I went to the Missouri auction school in the year I went, it was in St. Louis. Um, but like my brother and my nephew both have auctioned with me at when we had our, we 
we sold a building that we had regular auctions houses uh, auctions in and we're getting ready to buy to secure another building to start them back up but he taught himself on youtube he oh, went okay. to youtube and taught it but to be able to auctioneer in the majority of the states i was i was doesn't have regulations hardly at all on it mm. but other states do you do have to go to school okay <laughs> that's interesting learn something every day that is awesome yeah, I've always wondered if people from the deep south are, are good auctioneers. I mean, they talk so slow and such a draw anyway. I didn't know if, if ever they end up becoming auctioneers or not. It really isn't about talking fast. <laughs> it's about putting things in your words between your normal right. cadence. Right. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go online and look at um, tobacco auctioneering. It's the most interesting thing I've ever seen for auctioneering. And that's in the south. So southerners do this and it's quite amazing oh wow very good yeah i guess it is kind of more of the filler than it is the uh the speed in which you're covering stuff yep all right well let's get back to pigs I, i'm sorry i'm I have adhd oh, I, I, I go down some rabbit trails sometimes but let's uh let's go back to the to the farm here so being able to uh, was the farm were they auctioning everything off because it was maybe a generational change type of thing the, the family retiring and getting out of it or there there were four children and it, this is an acreage. We have five acres. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, their their dad had passed away. Mm. And they, he had just tons of stuff. Just had accumulated. Mm. Um, and they just, they were going to start bringing it to our auction house. I said, I'll just come out and take a look. And we decided to do the auction on, on site. So yeah. it was none of them wanted the property. They all had properties of their own. Gotcha. Um, the house needed a lot of work. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So you guys get the house, you start bringing in the animals and everything. And, and as you'd mentioned, this was your, this is your second farm. So you had some farming experience. So was mm -hmm. that just the, was that just the natural next step to say, okay, this, this is a good opportunity for us. This is, this piece of property is kind of speaking to us. We want to be here and we're definitely going to, to use it as a farm. I assume it had certain infrastructure already in place then limited the barn had came down in 2011 from a great big windstorm we had here the the building we have that our hogs can go into is actually an old hog building hmm. um, but it's it's days are numbered hmm. um but i don't plan on building keeping my hogs in buildings i'm going to do huts and on rotating pasture right now it's it's mud season so they're <laughs> in a they're in a sacrifice sacrificial pen yes i know what mud season is like i'm <laughs> getting to drive me crazy yes i'm ready for real spring we're in fall spring right okay, now right. yeah yeah that's that's what we joke about here in west virginia too it's the get out the shirt uh, short sleeve shirts just in time for the snow to start blowing so yeah so um so yeah you're, you're kind of you're, well you're not starting from scratch but it sounds like you're kind of starting from um kind of rebooting this old farm that uh that had mm -hmm. seen seen some better days there and yep. uh, and you say five acres so I, i'm going to make this assumption is, is the vinton iowa area where you're at is is that pretty flat are we talking tabletop flat here are we talking rolling hill what are you dealing with those five acres uh, my land is relatively flat it's 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 got some incline to it mm -hmm. um i don't really have too many places where water is going to pool um it's really rich topsoil and uh the area our county is rolling hills grant wood was from a couple counties away so like his paintings mm -hmm. are kind of indic indicative of our landscape so okay. people think of iowa's flat yes parts of it are flat 
but where we're at is not. Okay. Okay. So you've got some slope there that you can use to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I, I lament at times not having flatter land. I, I joke a hundred acres and I don't have a place. I've only got one place where I can turn my truck and trailer around on the entire property. Oh, um, and it's, and that's true. We, yeah, it really is true. We have that. We can, we can have circle drives and <laughs> yeah, stuff like right. that. <laughs> yeah. So I see, <laughs> see some of these flatlanders like, man, I don't I don't know what to do with that. So yeah. yeah, I couldn't find five acres flat on this entire piece of land. So there's no way. All right. So, um, so let's talk about the pig. So, um, why, why pigs? Uh, is that just a piece of the puzzle of, of what your experience is as far as multiculture on your farm? Um, or is it, you have a specific, um, is, are pigs going to be kind of the anchor point of the farm? Or is it just, you know, one of the cogs in the wheel? Uh, I plan on pigs being the anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fast to produce. They're prolific. I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, and, uh, um, I love pork. My family loves pork. Yeah. It's our, besides venison, it's our favorite meat to eat. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. 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 You can never, you can never have too many, too much bacon. Right. So well, no. <laughs> exactly. Or pork steaks. That's my preference. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, um, so what, what breeds did you start with or what breeds i know in your your pre-screening you said you used to raise red wattle and some agh so are you are you carrying that tradition here are you going a different direction um a little bit i'm right now i i have um red wattle old spot crosses Hmm. i really like them um i really like red wattle as as a breed um i did not like american guinea hog okay Crossbreeds were okay, but the the straight runs they had small litters. They took a long time to grow out. Not to make the AGH people upset, it just wasn't working for me. Right. And I, I'm the very first time I roasted a whole hog. I roasted a guinea hog. Uh, it was for my fortieth, and uh, I couldn't keep the flame down for all the fat oh, tripping yeah. into it. Yeah. We did a, a, a spatchcock style on a grit on a grill, and I built a block fire pit, and it was flame up the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, so so I'm interested in in why you like the red wattle so much, and and the the reason why, of course, it's good fodder for our conversation. But also, I just purchased eleven red wattle piglets. It's the first nice. time ever having red wattle. So uh, this is this is kind of a new venture for me as well. So tell me what you like about the red wattle. What appeals to you about it? it I like the heritage breed. Okay. Uh, the flavor, the marbling is really good. You're going to get enough lard to use um, without so much that you can't hardly cook the meat. Hmm. Uh, so good meat density mixed in with good marbling. Kind of just overall a good pig and they grow fast. Yeah. So um, I ask you what, what finish times have you seen? Um, I'm, I'm looking at eight to nine months okay. with proper feeding. If I'm feeding more straight corn type situation, I'm, I plan on a year. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah, the very, very standard at night, especially with the crossbred. When you add a, a crossbreed in, I'm finding much better grow times with them. And the best thing about them is they're good moms. And good sized litters. Hmm. Good, yeah, yeah. I've been uh, I've been intrigued by them, and and the opportunity came up. Uh, actually, it was a 
situation where we had poor fairwings with our uh, breed sows. So I needed to, to get some uh, feeders for this year. So uh, the red wattles were something I'd been looking at and they just were happened to be available in my area. So yeah, it's they've so far so good. I had to castrate seven of them, but uh, so far so good. We've really been were they hundred pounders. <laughs> they, they were they were eight weeks old, so they weren't quite that oh, big yet. But they uh, <laughs> definitely earlier than or later than what I'm used to. Not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We normally castrate within the first seven days, and uh, yeah. So this was a new experience, but it went well. It went well. Not not a problem. So so right now, um, how long have you been on the farm with this location? About a year and a half. We we moved in six months ago, roughly. But we be, I was here almost every day for a year. So yeah. we somebody gave us about a dozen um, potbelly pigs. Oh no kidding! <laughs> and uh, I didn't want potbelly pigs at all. Right. But uh, um, it happened, and so we started off with that and I quickly said, this is not something that I want to maintain. <laughs> and, uh, and I knew what I wanted for a breed and, and I found a good deal. I actually traded an AR 15 for 11 of the, uh, Waddle old spot cross, uh, pigs. And they were like 125 pounds for six of them and about 80 pounds for the rest of them. Wow. That's yeah, pretty good. It, was a good. it was a good deal. He, it was going into winter. And he needed them gone, and I needed them. Yeah. So. And I didn't need the the gun. It was one I was going to sell. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that sounds like a good deal, unless we're talking about like a real high end Bushmaster or something like that. <laughs> about a six hundred dollar run of the mill. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good deal then. Absolutely. We were both happy. That's the best kind of trade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. So, yeah, so I didn't catch that. I was thinking about the AR too much. So you said eleven? Is that what you said? Yeah, we had eleven. Oh, we had a rough winter, and I've lost two over the winter. Two of the smaller ones. Okay. Um, it, there, it was just we had so many ups and downs. It was on a minus thirty degree day. Oh gracious! Yeah, yeah, that's a little brisk. <laughs> it, it was rough. Yeah. Well, so you have nine now, and and they should be. Um, they should be pretty good size. Are, are any of those going to be breeders? Or are those all, uh, are you going to take and process those? What, what's the plan with those? My plan is to keep three of the females, and I have a male that I got. But I've, I've got my eye on a, on a, a year-old uh, purebred red wattle, and then I'll just put I'll just castrate and butcher out that male. That, yeah. That's yeah. the point to keep. Then I can have at least the male be purebred for now. Yeah, okay. So you're looking at maybe keeping uh, three breeder uh, sows and yep. or gilts, and and then uh, then have the one boar uh, mm -hmm. ready to tag team out there when he needs to. All right. So um, so looking at your pre-screening, you talked about some things there about um, doing some butchering on farm. Now, are you doing that for just personal use, or are you doing that for uh, for resale? You, you you're trying to put like a custom shop together. Um, the regulations are too strict for me to get anything that I could do it for hire mm -hmm. or for resale. Um, friends, family, um, we can, the, the exact nature of the law, I don't really know, but if somebody comes onto the farm and it's their pig, we can butcher it together. And by that, I mean, they clean off the table while I'm doing the butchering. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, um, so friends, families, and people that are willing to let us, 
or want to learn it. And we have, we have a line of people that want to come to the farm on butcher day and learn how to do it as yeah. well. Um, self-taught YouTube was fantastic for that. Um, but I do have appointments at the locker for people that want cuts and for whole hog, whole and half hogs. Right. Right. Very good. So what, um, what do you find, um, what do you find the most critical element of doing your own processing? Is, is it equipment? Is it the facility that you have or just the experience? Is, is there something that's like, okay, this would make my life much easier. Or if I knew this or had this uh, specific piece of equipment, things would be much, much better. Um, I'm using a, a small binder and I don't have a big bandsaw. I'd like that, but uh, I don't have to have it using a, a proper knife and a stainless blade and a sawzall works really well. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So do you find, uh, so you, you mentioned that you have people that come around and, and want to, to learn. Is that, is that something where it, people wanting to learn because they have their own hogs or just kind of morbid curiosity or they're, they're maybe buying some meat from you and, and want to have a hand in it? Um, some of it is morbid curiosity. Some of it is people just want to have a hand in the meat that they're going to get. Mm -hmm. um, they want to half a hog and they want to know how to do it themselves. They live in town. I actually got uh, a guy we go to church with him and some of his neighbors want to come to get me and then go through the process because they're really intrigued by it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing a, a scald and scrape or are you just skinning out? How are you doing it? I haven't decided. I've done both. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, which do you prefer out of the two then? I prefer, I'd like to do all scald and scrape because I want to start doing charcuterie. Yeah. Um, I, I love Spanish ham. Um, and, uh, but skinning is, is easy. Right. Yeah, it does. It definitely does <laughs> make it go quicker, doesn't it? It does. You can process quite a bit in a day, skin. And if I'm just, if I'm just doing the majority and, pork chops and not curing bacon because that's not something I've done yet and uh, don't need the skin on anything. I, that's what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely makes things easier and can get through the process uh, much faster, especially with the, uh, a after the, 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 the bleeding out and, and having to be able to uh, uh, have that skinning process in between, it really makes it easier to, to take care of versus, messing with all the, the boiling water and the dunking and in the different ways that you can do it definitely makes it quicker. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about the layout a little bit. So uh, how, with the five acres and the lay of the land that you have in Iowa there, are you, are you doing rotational process, uh, ro rotational grazing now, or have you, you have fixed infrastructure? How are you handling that? We've been fixed so far um, just because, with working on the house, I didn't have time to get the pastures where they needed to be. The first year we were here, the neighbor bailed hay for us um, and uh, on a half share. And But I'm, I'm going to be, I have about two and a half acres that's going to be designated hay field. Um, so I can supplement and then sell hay um, throughout the winter. But uh, the rest of the, the pasture land, which is about an acre and a half, um, I'm going to do in thirds and, and just rotate, rotate, rotate. And then as soon as mud season comes and winter comes, they'll be on the sacrificial pan. Yeah, yeah. 
are you planning on putting back you, you know you said some of the infrastructure you had was uh, uh was was on the downhill side of it uh but are you planning on putting that back or are you just going to stick with the porta huts as you mentioned um i think i'll keep them for the most part in the porta huts uh i as long as the hog building is standing, I'm going, I'll keep that for farrowing um, when I need to in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summer and fall, spring, I'll let them farrow in the huts. Um, but I do plan on building a couple better buildings. Yeah, yeah, very good. So what um, what do you think your breed schedule is going to be? So with these three three breeders that you're going to have, are you, are you going to try to breed at just a certain time of year? Are you going to try to get multiple litters out of them? Um, I'm probably going to just leave them with the boar. Um, let them just let nature take its course for the most part. Um, and uh, at, at this point, I, it's, I'm not too scientific about it yet, but eventually I'll get there. It's just not, not I'm not in that position yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we well, talked about some expansion opportunities that you're looking into um, exploring in the in the near future. What what areas are you looking to expand? And is that just in pigs, or is that uh, even outside with uh, with other polyculture elements? Uh, we we are going to raise more chickens. Um, I've got quail. We just fired some quail um, and uh, hatching eggs and stuff like that. Um, but I do plan on expanding. I want to meet the demand that I can acquire for hogs. Mm. So my long-term goal with hogs is to let the hogs produce enough to offset our food costs and to make at least the tax payment, maybe even the house payment on the farm. Yeah. Um, that's my long-term goal. Getting there will, will take some work and time. No, that's good. That's good, and I and I like that because that's not a, um, you know, that's not a a huge uh, foreboding goal to say. Well, you know, I want to have a huge pig farm. I want to be able to do this much and and have this uh, unrealistic approach to this. You're you're simply looking at saying, well, we want to cover our food costs, so we want to we want to be able to be self reliant in that situation, and uh, cover some taxes, and maybe you know crack the biggest nut when it comes to the bills that you have. Um, so. I like that approach in the sense that you know, kind of kind of manage expectations in the near future. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you think do you think that'll be the the cap out at that point with with the size land that you have and and some of the other things you're getting into? You think that would be kind of where you, where where it's going to kind of top out with pigs? I don't know. It possibly. Um, I know that my wife isn't going to want me to have so many pigs that we don't have a place for the manure. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the smell will be a real thing here in iowa uh, as soon as the ground thaws and right before it freezes if you're in the country you smell hog manure because they're drilling it into the the farmland (laughs) and we don't want our farm to be a contributor to that yeah gotcha (laughs) so so what's it like surrounding you are are there a lot of monocrop around you are there other livestock areas around you it's monocrop and up the road is um a dairy beef operation. Hmm. So the dairy is a, is about three miles away. And, but the, they raised the, the steers for me up just up the road. Hmm. So how big of a deal is that going to be with monocrop around you? Is that, is that something that concerns you as far as your pigs getting out and, and damaging, 
damaging crop or is that not a big deal up there? It, it could be, but, uh, I have, I have hog wire, um, surrounding the property and I'm going to shore up that, um, it's older, needs some new posts set, needs to be stretched better and some places replaced. I, I don't want my animals out and neither do my neighbors. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> my closest neighbor is about a quarter of a mile though. So oh, yeah, that's a funny story. When uh, we were given the first round of guinea hogs, he gave us two males, and um, and they're little, and I'm a big dude. I'm I'm six eight, and uh, pushing three hundred, and I had this male by the back legs, taking it out of the truck. I had it in a in a big dog crate, and uh, the thing twisted and jumped out of my hands. We've saw it three other times since then. And that's the last we've seen of it. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> so, he's, so he's still free somewhere then. He's free or some coyotes discovered him. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, that, I've never run into that. I've, I've had him get loose in, in that type of situation, but they always seem to uh, circle back around. But he, he split, huh? He's like the, he's like the, the um, Irish setter in uh, Funny Farm. Just took off and you just see him every once in a while. <laughs> yep. He was done. He, hadn't, he didn't want to come back. He didn't know to come back because he had just showed up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, being in all that monocrop around there probably wasn't a shortage of forage for him, was there? No, um, especially where they raised the, 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 the dairy beef. Um, they have a big, um, silage pile that they just cover it, you know, they, how they cover them. And, uh, there was plenty. I, my, I imagine they found them and took care of them, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I figure being, being Guinea hog, he probably showed up to the food bowl and probably never left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pot belly, but uh, he. Uh, oh, pot belly. Yeah. If I could have released a couple females, we'd have had fewer hogs and we could have hog hunted. But I think people have been more mad at me than <laughs> right. Happy with me over that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about the feral hog population in that area. Is is that an issue there in that that area of Iowa? We don't have any. Yeah, yeah. None I've ever seen or heard of. Anyway, yeah. southern Iowa might. We're we're mid, almost northern Iowa. Yeah, we really don't have an issue here. I've never had an issue, but I know I've got some friends that uh, that will hunt boar in just a couple counties south of here, and they'll they'll uh, they'll see one every once in a while. So I know I know they're out there, but I've yet to have an issue with uh, with them you know, busting through a fence and and breeding yeah. a sow when I when I wasn't expecting it. So, <laughs> but yeah, so there's, yeah. there's a there's a feral pot belly out there somewhere. <laughs> there there if he's still out there, he's he's doing he's got his. He's lonely. Exactly. <laughs> Hunting the woods. <laughs> yeah. Some hunter's going to come across and be like, what is this? Exactly. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, that, that'd definitely be one of them head scratchers for sure. Like, yeah. What did I just see? Yeah. Very good. Well, since another, I'm sorry. Another thing we're doing on the farm it, that our goal is, is to utilize things like the lard um, and my wife and I are planning at some point to get sheep, um, just more for, um, my consumption and products for her to use in her custom gifts that she does at her store. Oh yeah. The lard, we want to do soap making. We're going to grow loofahs. She's going to make fragrant sponges and stuff like that. So 
Um, eventually, I have a bunch of beehives. I eventually plan on um, getting bees, but it's I was going to do it this year, but I'm not prepared yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like the, the five acres is going to be really chocked full of, of a lot of variety there. And, and I, I think that's interesting, I would say, as, a, as an entrepreneur or, or a self-employed individual to another, that um, that kind of all ties together, doesn't it? You see, you see all mm-hmm. the byproducts and, and the value-added opportunities of whatever you're doing, whether it's a garden or pigs or bees, and, and then see how can, I, uh, how can I manage that enough to, to make that profitable in various areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, we have that, that mindset for everything we do. We want everything on the farm needs to have a purpose. And if it doesn't have a purpose, why do we have it? Yeah. Uh, including our dogs, but one of them is just our pet. So <laughs> <laughs> but, well, like, if they can't produce a, a batch of puppies here and there, why do we have them? Right, right. Yeah. Dog makes a fine meal. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to trying it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I always, always kid with my wife about that because we have a golden retriever she absolutely loves, and he's pushing about 115 pounds. I'm like, I could, you know, we could survive off that dog if things really got rough. So. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the 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 billboard yes. where it's it's a PETA board and it says these are for consumption, but then somebody cross out like say no, these do. Right, yeah. How far would you <laughs> go? Enough, this one. Yeah, exactly. How far would you go? And he lists he lists the different things he's trying to do there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The rabbits on there. I'm like, that's first on the list. What no, are you talking no about? No doubt, man. Yeah, rabbits are real tasty. My goodness. Uh, that's great. Yeah, that, that reminds me. I work with a nonprofit. Man, getting down a rabbit rabbit hole here, huh? Um, work with a nonprofit and, and helping them install a garden, and they're like, "Well, we've got an issue. That the last time we had a garden here, we have rabbits just come in and obliterate it." And I said, "Well, I know how to fix that. And we're we're trying to raise food for the addiction recovery people in the in the in the residential service. <laughs> we can take care of those rabbits just as well as we can take care of the garden." <laughs> She's like, "You eat those rabbits?" I'm like, "Absolutely." Yep, delicious. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, if something's I- First time I made rabbit for my kids, um, I cut them up in little like size of chicken nuggets, and I called them Coney Nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. We eat Coney Nuggets and Bambi Burgers. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like uh, I remember in grade school, a friend's dad made squirrel head gravy for the first time I'd ever experienced it, and. And was doing fine until I actually saw the squirrel head in the gravy and kind of freaked out a little bit. But but it was really tasty up until that point. Yeah, I don't think that would go over with, with my wife. My kids are, are a little more adventurous. But yeah. <laughs> she likes the main three, chicken, beef, and pork. There you go. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, since we're talking about feed and food, so what is your uh, being in Iowa there? I assume you probably have a, a wide variety of feed options uh, when it comes to to sourcing how you're going to grow your pigs out. Um, it's corn and beans. That's what we have. Okay. Um, oats are coming becoming harder to come by. Hmm. Um, I source my feed at a, a local elevator. I did recently purchase uh, gr- an older grinder mixer hmm. that I got to re- redo some stuff on, free some stuff up. It's been sitting a while, but uh, um, if you go to the the feed store to buy a feed, you're gonna get corn and beans with with the minerals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we get too. 
is is that um, what you're thinking right now? You're going conventional, non-GMO. Get to the way you're gonna going to start mixing your own. Uh, my personal take on that is that's all just a label. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, now being raised in monoculture Iowa, I had ag classes in in middle school, and and you know my kids are in FFA, and mm-hmm. so the the talk is not um, uh, organic. That type of stuff is not what we are here. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that are, but it's that's not our market and won't be our market. Right. Which is the driving force, but it's also not really our belief. I actually worked for Cargill for mm-hmm. seven years and uh, in a corn mill. We process corn there. I'm not a big fan of processed corn products for me, my consumption, but when you put it into an animal, and most of our feed that we feed on a large scale is byproducts of stuff that they can sell to big companies like Pepsi and McDonald's. Um, so when you take apart a, a kernel of corn and what's left, like we feed, we feed the majority of the cattle in Texas and and where it's raised is fed the outside of the kernel of a corn mixed with the water that they steep the corn in to swell it, to, to bring it out and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, when you feed that to a cow that you're a steer that you're raising to slaughter in a, in a year, year and a half, whatever, that's fine. But if you'd fed that three years to that same cow, the cow would die. Um, it's poisonous to them. So I'm not a big fan of that, but eating that cow isn't really changing the meat on grand scale, but that's not me. That's not my market. That's never going to be my market. I want my animals to be on grass, on dirt, on real food, but I'm not going to be upset if I have to feed them some corn or if I have, if some beans get in it or whatever, Mm -hmm. because I don't have a market to the people that would want the organic. Yeah, and and that's there's wisdom in that as well, especially looking at that from a market standpoint. If if you're going through all this effort to truck in non-GMO or organic, and you can't get the return on investment in that, because people are like, well, I don't want to pay the prices you get, you got to charge for that. Then uh, then yeah, just provide what you provide. That's it's funny because we do similar. We we feed conventional feed to our uh, pigs, but I feed non-GMO to my broiler chickens because my market for the broiler chickens is a little bit higher uh, demographic and mm-hmm. they want to do that. They want that to be the process and they will pay that uh, premium dollar per pound for the non-GMO. So it's like, I'm kind of indifferent myself. I don't really care one way or the other, but um, if, if my market, my audience wants X, then then we'll provide that as long as I can get the good return on investment. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I don't want to have anything to do with food that's been mess, mess produced and processed yeah i don't feel well after i eat it that's why i want to raise my own right yeah exactly exactly yeah that's and i think too like we can get wrapped around the axle um this is a whole other mm-hmm. podcast talking about you know when the government gets involved with the organic label what are we really talking about these days anymore right. too so <laughs> the word natural on a package means nothing yeah yeah it, I'll, it, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll never forget when um 
when I uh, got my egg handler's license, which here in West Virginia, you just pay a $10 fee. They don't even inspect you or anything. They just, they just it's basically like a tax. They just want to know who you are. Uh, but they send you this little list of things you cannot do. And one of them is you cannot say, you know, all natural. You cannot say, um, oh, what was it? Because we, we started calling it pasture raised. There was, it used to be another word you couldn't say because that was reserved for the big boys. And they want to be the ones that say this is all natural. You know, you can't grade them. You have to make sure they're ungraded. Uh, so mm. all these type of things. It's like with a small farm producer, we we have to label stuff, but we're not allowed to use the words that the big boys use. And you know, our our processes are way more natural than theirs are. So I just thought that was ironic. And it's like this isn't about. Uh, this has nothing to do with actually reporting this the quality of the food as much as it is just keeping everybody in a certain category. <laughs> right. I always got pretty strict laws on like um, people coming on to larger farms, taking pictures. Uh, like they're serious about it. Like yeah. the advocates and the, the people that are really upset about like chicken in cages, pigs in, in confinement, they're not allowed to come in and take pictures. They can actually get in big trouble for that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. We are all about pigs corn and beans yeah yeah i mean it is it's 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 a way of life there and it's like um it's like coal here in west virginia you know, you come in and you malign coal at least you would 20 or 30 years ago you get wrapped in the mouth at least and you know some places oh, you yeah. get shot <laughs> so you don't you don't come in bad mouth and coal you don't come in bad mouth and pigs and corn and beans in certain areas too so i, I get it in texas cattle trucks have the right of way yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> Awesome. Well, Chris, before I let you go, I, I want to ask you a question and I ask everybody the same question. So from your experience, what is your favorite part about raising pigs on pasture? Uh, watching people hold a baby. There's just nothing better than seeing that, whether it's a kid or an adult, it just, you get a screaming little baby pig and it just brings pure joy to people. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's there's no better there's no better television than sitting down and watching uh, you know four or five day old pigs just flop around and jump and bounce and they're like cats on crack. It is hilarious. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's hilarious. It absolutely is. Yeah. Well, Chris, if people want to find out more about your farm, do you have do you currently have an online presence? Do you have anything like that developed yet? Uh, we, I just started a Facebook page, but I haven't added any content yet. Okay. Uh, we have, I have, you know, my personal Facebook page. If you look at Chris Enos online, I'm, I'm out there. Okay. Um, but, uh, um, we're planning on website and, and, uh, expanding our Facebook presence. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That all comes with time for sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, man, I sure appreciate you coming on the podcast. Enjoyed talking with you, and I'm glad we could finally get our dates lined out right. And uh, it worked out great. It did. It did. It worked out. Even even though it was unscheduled, we we lined up perfectly, and and uh, just was was meant to be. So, all right. Well, man, I pray you have a great week, and thank you for coming on the show. It was my pleasure. All right. Well, I really appreciate Chris coming on the podcast. Um, he actually, as I mentioned in the, in the front bumper, he gave me an update this last week that he's actually bringing in Iowa Swabian Hall pigs. 
So he's got the opportunity to bring in, a, I believe it's a breeding group, and he's going to have that on his farm soon. So uh, we'll, we'll need to get Chris back on maybe next year and see how that breed's working out. I don't believe I've talked to anyone yet that has Swabian Hall, unless you count Carl. Obviously, Carl, that was uh, that's one of his leading breeds there. But, um, but I'm curious to see how that works out for Chris. Well, as I mentioned, uh, if you want to join us on the live chat, just um, be a Patreon supporter. $5 is the minimum. You can get in there a month and uh, be a part of the live chats as we move forward with those and uh, look to have some good discussion here in the month of June coming up. As always, I appreciate everybody watching. really appreciate the feedback. Please uh, just let me know what I need to do to make the entire pastured pig experience better. Talking about the Facebook group, the website, the podcast, all of that. Um, I'm very open for criticism, so I appreciate any input that you guys want to share. Well, as always, I pray everyone have a great week, and I hope everything's going well on the pasture as, uh, as we get into the summer months. All right, take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.